Well, good evening. If you would, turn your Bibles to Ezra chapter 6 is where we find ourselves tonight. And um, it's hard to believe it's December 1st already. Yeah, where did the year go by? But we are continuing our trek through the Old Testament on Wednesday evening. And so Ezra chapter 5 and... Uh, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you tonight, Lord, and we ask that you would just uh, move in our hearts and our midst, Lord. You would speak to us now as we turn to your word, Lord, as we just dedicate this time to hear from you, Father. Uh, we know you're faithful to move by your spirit in our hearts and in our midst, Lord. So do that great work that only you can do, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Ezra chapter 5. We uh, we got a couple of hundred of um, a couple hundred shoe boxes um, for Operation Christmas Child. So continue to pray for those as they, you know, put them all together and eventually get them out. So uh, between a couple of schools where the kids used to go, where they go, and uh, those that gave here at the church, um, it was it was a blessing to drop off a couple carloads full of boxes. Right, babe? Amen. It was good. So. Um, all right, well, Ezra chapter 4, we left off uh, last time with great discouragement. There was discouragement. Uh, they had come back. Uh, Cyrus had said you could come back to, the, you know, to, to, to Israel, to Jerusalem, rebuild the temple. Um, the, the people came back, a little less than 50,000 or so came back, and, and uh, you know, they, they were there, and of course... Um, uh, a lot of work to do. The first thing they built was the altar so they could uh, take care of their sins, uh, the, the bronze altar. And then they laid the foundation for the temple. So to relay a foundation, you could just give you just some sense of how bad it was uh, that they came back, what they came back to. But in the midst of celebrating that laying of the foundation and some short period of time after that, Remember, there was a group that came in that had been there in the land for a number of years, uh, quite possibly a, a number of them, a few hundred years, um, wanted to join in. But again, they weren't believers. They just wanted to, you know, be a part. Uh, you know, we, we worship the Lord a little bit, but we do our own thing. We do this, we do that. And they said, no, we're, you know, we're, we're going to do what the Lord called us to do. And of course, they wrote a, a, a pretty deceiving letter, at least full of half-truths, half-truths to the king that followed Cyrus and, of course, uh, Xerxes. And then they uh, basically, because of their deception, they got a stop work order. And at the end of chapter 4, everything had pretty much ceased. All the building had ceased work. But thankfully, as we always find out in Scripture, and as we always know with our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus, that it never ends at chapter 4. It never ends there. The enemy never has the final word, ever, never. He never has the final word. And so, um, uh, again, we know discouragement, and we know attacks, and sidetracking of what the Lord's called us to do is always a problem throughout the history of the church, throughout the history of God's people. And, um, you know, when it comes to that point, we have a decision to make. You know, are we going to trust you, Lord, and follow through and believe in you, even though these, you know, people are threatening and they're telling us not to stop to work, and we know you've called us to do this work, um, or, or are we going to trust in you and continue to push forward? Well, uh, let's find out what happened with these people after the discouragement and the stop work order, if you would, from the king. Um, uh, to stop building the temple. So verse 1 tells us, Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Idum, prophets prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, sometimes called Joshua in your books, the son of Jehozadak rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. 
So we see here that, um, you know, the work had ceased. And as a matter of fact, about 15 years uh, have passed. And here I'll put a chart up here. And again, you can see on that top line, uh, the, the destruction of the temple, then that break, and then the temple foundation laid. And then there was about a 15-year gap between when the temple, foundation was laid and they started to build again here the temple. So there's about a 15-year-ish break between chapters 4 and chapters 5. And um, uh, what happened? Well, discouragement set in because they were told by the king, deceptively obviously, that they couldn't continue to build. Um, but then we're told here that these prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, uh, came in to prophesy and to encourage and to help the people. So, quite frankly, to read Ezra, Nehemiah, and, and Esther, Haggai, Zechariah, and even Daniel together, because they all fit together. There's just, they're all, um, you know, uh, speak uh, to this whole period of time. Uh, that's going on uh, here, uh, particularly Haggai and Zechariah. Daniel's got a little bit more information from other things, as we know. But certainly Zechariah and, uh, and Haggai were the main prophets speaking at this time. And of course, Malachi will come in there uh, a little bit later on, as you can see from that chart up there. But, but again, um, we're in the book of Ezra, but God sends these prophets to, to talk to them. And what happened in that 15 years? Well, let's find out, because it tells us in Haggai here. So about 15 years had gone by, and then the Lord raises up Haggai, or Haggai, however you want to say it. Um, and I, and we, it's a short book, but I'll just read a little bit of it, because it gives us a little flavor for what he has to say and what was going on with the people and why 15 years went to pass or came to pass. And so Haggai, let me, let's just read it, the first 11 verses. It says, In the second year of the king Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. So Zerubbabel was like the governor. He was the political ruler, and Joshua was the high priest, the religious leader of the people at that time. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. So just to give us a little taste of what's going on is in those 15 years that had passed, as we know there, it says that, you know, the people just got consumed with life, quite frankly. Because, you know, the first thing is, is it time to build the Lord? No, it's just, we're just, it's just, Man, there's just too much trouble when we start that project. You know, we just get the locals riled up that don't like the Lord. And we already had this threatening letter from Xerxes, who was a couple of kings earlier than what it is now. And so what they did is they just kind of put the things of the Lord, building the temple, a place to worship and, and you know, to bring their sacrifices and, and their offerings and the whole, uh, all that center of spiritual life for the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, you know, they just kind of put on hold. And they said, ah, it's just not time. I don't know. It's just not going to work out. And what they did is, but, but, but you're focusing on your, you know, your housing. You've you got nice paneling in your house, and, and your house looks great and beautiful, but the house of the Lord's, it's just a pile of stones. 
and you just got consumed with life, quite frankly, just like we can. You know, you know, the Lord's called us and given us all gifts, all of us. You know, what are we doing with them? Um, you know, but the great thing is, you know, when we need a wake-up call, the Lord's faithful to have the alarm bell go off, right? Um, Haggai's telling them, listen, you got, you're all consumed and wrapped up just in your life, and you kind of forgot about the spiritual things. You know, and so much time has kind of gone by, that, you know, it's just, your life is just consumed with just life, your life. And the things of the Lord are just pushed way aside and they have a very low priority. So Haggai, sent by the Lord, is like, hey guys, come on. we got to finish this work on the temple. And uh, again, uh, you know, the Lord's faithful, uh, you know, to send uh, who we need and what we need to hear when we need to hear it. You know, uh, he doesn't leave them alone and go, well, you guys are just flaking off and just being big flakes, you know. God sends those to encourage and to direct them. Hey, you need to get back to work here. And of course, if we read more of Haggai, um, you know, it would tell us even more. But he said, you know, I I've let things be become fr very frustrating in your life because your focus and your attention is not on me. I've, you know, why are things so difficult all over in your life? Well, because you've taken the emphasis and focus off me. And uh, not that if we put our, uh, you know, 100% focus, our life is free, free from problems and difficulties. But again, there was an abundance of difficulties in their lives. And God says it's just because I'm trying to get your attention. And it didn't seem to work. So I'm sending Haggai here to make it real clear to you. And the Father's faithful to do that. And uh, again, you know, um, uh, it's a very normal occurrence in the Christian life. You know, we, we get off track or we just get involved in things and not necessarily sin and we're living, you know, horrible lives. We just get caught up in life and doing our own thing and going to work and doing this and doing that or going to school and doing that. You know, you just get caught up in life and the routine and and, uh, and, and, the, and, and then sometimes the things of the Lord just get pushed aside and they get pushed farther back. It's just like the junk in your garage. You, you put it there, but then, you know, other stuff got in front of it and then other stuff and other stuff. And pretty soon you can't remember what's in the very back there because there's so much stuff piled up in front of it. And God's faithful to say, hey, listen, don't forget about me back here. But as always, the issue is, will we listen and will we believe? Well... Let's see what these guys do. I, I do want to call our attention to the last verse of last few words of chap of verse two. There, notice that the prophets of God were with them, helping them. I, I love this because I believe it wasn't just verbally telling them, but also these guys will work. You know, they're like, "Hey, we need to rebuild the temple, Zechariah and Haggai. We need to do this." And these guys were out there with you know whatever they needed, moving rocks or clearing rubble or had shovels in their hands or hammers in their hands or whatever they needed, you know, they were helping them as well. Um, you know, I'm not just talking the talk, I'm walking the walk. And I know it needs to be built and I'm going to be out here doing it. And I, I imagine Haggai, at least in my own mind, I kind of picture him just saying all this and then just going over there and starting to, you know, put some stone down or you know, make, moving some timber around, right? And, um, and then um, it says in verse 3, At the same time, Tatan, uh, N -A -I, the governor of the region beyond the river, and Shalthar Bosnia and their companions came to them and spoke thus to them, Well, who has commanded you to build this temple and finish this wall? I mean, it's the walls of the temple, right? Um, then accordingly, we told them the names of the men who were constructing this building. But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, so that they could not make them cease till the report could go to Darius. Then a written answer was returned concerning the matter. So again, you know, obviously they listen to Haggai. Hey, it's time to get going. They listen to him. They, so they're starting to work there. They start doing that. And of course, the, the enemy, the Satan's not happy with this and, you know, doesn't want the work of the Lord to continue. So he sends these other 
um, uh, leaders there, uh, uh, governors of that region, the Persian, other Persians over there. Hey, you guys are building. What are you guys doing here? What's going on? Um, who said you guys could do this? Uh, what authority do you have to do all this? Or who do you think you are doing this? And uh, we want your names. Now, the idea is to be very intimidating, right? Kind of like what we just talked about a few weeks ago with Jesus, right? When he comes into the temple area there in the last few days before his crucifixion. What gives you the authority to teach these things and to clear out the temple and all that? Whose authority, you know, do you have? What, where does your authority come from? And, and so again... Um, Notice the Lord was with them. Yes, they, they, they wanted to, who, who, can, who are you to do this? And who are you to say this? And we're kind of like, we'll just give you what we need to give you, um, right? Uh, we'll give you uh, uh, our, our names and information, but we're not going to stop working. And, uh, you know, you can send a letter to the king and ask if this is okay. And by this time, Darius is ruling, so we've been through a few kings now. Um, and, uh, you know, okay, if you want to send them a letter and ask them about it, go ahead. We're going to continue to work. And, uh, of course, it shows that God was with them. Just remember, as we know, it was God's will and God's timing for them to return and to rebuild. But when opposition came, they folded and became discouraged and kind of gave up. And, uh, you know, we'll be challenged in that same way. And then when we, you know, okay, no, I need to start getting back to church. I need to start reading the Bible. And I need to start being Faithful to what God's called me to do. I, 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 I need to do that. I, I need to be faithful. I need to do this. You can bet that there's going to be opposition. You can bet that there's going to come some buys and who are you and why are you doing this and no, you shouldn't be doing this and just expect that. And they want to discourage you again. The enemy wants to discourage you. So they got their names, and now they're going to write to the king. And here's a copy of the letter, and we can read it together. And, it's, and it says this. This is a copy of the letter that uh, Tata and Ai sent. The governors of the region beyond the river, and Shethazar Bosnia and his companions, the Persians who were in the region beyond the river, to Darius the king. They sent uh, a letter to him, which was written thus, To Darius the king, all peace. Let it be known to the king that we went into the providence of Judea to the temple of the great God, which is being built with heavy stones and timber and being laid in the walls. And the work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. Then we asked those elders and spoke thus to them, Well, who commanded you to build this temple and to finish these walls? We also asked the names to inform you that we might write the names of the men who were chief among them. And thus they returned us an answer, saying, We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago, which the great king of Israel built and completed. So let's stop there for a second. So, so you know, the, the governors, you know, ask for their names and, you know, who's doing all this. And the answer pretty much is, you know who we are? Um, we're the servants of the God of heaven. <laughs> who do we report to? Uh, who are we directed by? Uh, who do we follow? Well, the one who controls all. We get our orders from heaven. And I just think that's so important to remember. You know, uh, you know, the Lord's called us, and there's many things that He's called all believers to do, and then, you know, to share our faith and live the Christian life and, and to be a light and, 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 and love each other, you know, love the brethren and, you know, be a part of the body of Christ, to be a part of a church. There's, there's so many things that we're all, we all have in common. And then He's given us gifts, and some of them are the same, and some of them are different. And then He's given us some callings. Maybe you have a calling to, you know, to... to to lead worship or be part of the worship team or to teach children or have a small Bible study in your house or, you know, uh, this or that or whatever it might be. And, and again, um, uh, you know, we just need to stick and be faithful to that calling because who do we give account to? To our Heavenly Father, right? We give account to Him. But, 
you know, when people ask, well, who are you to teach a Bible study or worship or do this or do that? It's like, well, you know, uh, well, we get, that's just what our Heavenly Father, my Heavenly Father, that's what the Lord has called me to do. Whether it's something common to all believers or something special, you know, well, why are you going to church on Wednesday? I mean, come on, who goes on Wednesday? Barely people go on Sunday. Why are they going on Wednesday? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. And, and you know, well, you know, because that's where my heart is. You know, God's called me to, to be in church when, when the body gathers together, you know, or on and on and on the thing goes. You know, what authority we have? We have the authority from our Heavenly Father, the God of Heaven. And so, you know, when people question you or who do you think you are, or why are you doing this, you know, you don't have to explain yourself. You just say, you know, if you disagree with Jesus being Savior or this or that or whatever, you know, I'm just the messenger. I, I, I just take in orders, <laughs> you know. I'm just getting orders. And um, we just need to remember that that's important. We're servants of the God of heaven. And that gives us a ton of authority more than, uh, you know, a ton, but it just gives us all authority, and then it gives us all ability that we need to complete our tasks and to live the Christian life and all that. I mean, we have all that from Him, and uh, that's a great thing. Now, he was talking about these heavy stones and these timbers, and the gray area in this picture just gives you some sense of where the stones would go, um, and then some of the lighter colors and some where the timber would be. So, you know, just there's great stones, there's big timber here that they're talking about, and it's prospering. So there's a lot of timber and, and heavy stones there, and that is kind of a cutaway of the temple that gives it, shows you some of the timber, some of the stones that they have to put in place to build this. And they heard the word of God, you're right, we need to get back to this. And so they listened, they got back to it, they had some trouble coming, now this letter's going out, but it's not stopping them from working. And they tell these guys, listen, we're on orders from heaven, you know, and that's where our orders come from. And so these guys, these Persian governors, tell them that, and then they continue and said um, in, the, in the letter, now this is these guys writing to Darius, the king now of Persia, and they continue in that letter saying, verse 12, But because our fathers provoked the God of heaven to wrath, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this temple and carried away people to Babylon. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, king Cyrus issued a decree to build this house of God. Also the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple that was in Jerusalem and carried into the, te uh, into the temple of Babylon, those King Cyrus took from the temple of Babylon, and they were given to one named Shazabar, whom he made governor. That's uh, the Persian name probably for Zerubbabel, okay? So they were given to him, which we know from earlier chapters in Ezra. And he said to them, Take these articles, go and carry them to the temple site that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be rebuilt on its former site. This same Shazabar, or um, uh, again, same, same name as, uh, probably his Persian name of um, Zerubbabel, came and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. But from that time, even till now, it has been under construction and is not finished. Okay, so the letter goes on, uh, and, and these Persian governors are writing uh, what the Jews had told them. And I love what verse 12 said. Um, I like what they said is, you know what, the reason we have to do this, the reason we have to rebuild this temple is because of our own sin. You, you know what, we provoked the God by our actions against Him, and that's what caused all this problem and all these problems in the first place, from the destruction of the temple to articles being carried away so we couldn't worship to people being carried away and all this. They took responsibility. Even, quite frankly, they were a couple of generations, at least some of them, removed from that. Some one, some two, and some were a, a part of that. But I like that because you know what? In our society today, it's we want to label something so that we can blame 
you know, the reason I'm like this is because, you know, of this, or because of what my parents did, or because of how somebody treated me, or because I didn't do this, or because this happened. And we just, you know, just constantly, any, anything but to take direct responsibility, responsibility for our actions. But see, that's the sign of a true believer and the sign of a mature, mature Christian. It's just taking responsibility um, for our own actions. And uh, again, uh, we would still be here, they said, if we had followed God, right? Because the reason we weren't conquered, the reason all this happened is not because there was a better military than ours or anything else in this world, you know, because they had better battle strategy and better chariots or they knew our walls weren't good and their, you know, whatever was better. It had nothing to do with any of that. Now, probably most everybody else thought that, but the reality was it wasn't anything else in this world that defeated us and caused this temple and the whole city to be wrecked and us carried off and all the things that we worship the Lord with to be carried off was our own devices. We were defeated by our own devices. I, I think that's just so important to remember because, um, you know, again, uh, it wasn't anything else but our own uh, sin as a people. Uh, and again, there's, but, but that group of people were made up of individuals that got us there. And it wasn't because Nebuchadnezzar was so smart or he had such a better army or any of that. No, not at all. We defeated ourselves because we let ourselves get involved in all sorts of sin that the Lord said, listen, if we head down that path and abandon him, uh, you know, in that way, there's just no way he's going to let us stay in the land. And that's exactly what happened. But again, the other thing is, because of that, the great victories are also given to us by the Lord and not by our own ideas and our own wisdom and our own way of doing things. You know, again, um, we can have great victories. I love that verse in um, Matthew 16, 18, because um, the reverse is true as well, right? You know, when Jesus said, upon this rock, talking about himself, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer us. It's just nothing can stop the work of God and the plan of God and the will of God, um, the only thing that can is whether we choose to follow it or not. It's not that he's going to fail or the church is going to fail in some way. It's the question is, are we going to obey him and do what he's called us to do, whether it was under the old covenant or, or under the new covenant of Jesus Christ? If we choose not to follow the Lord's leading, well, you know, problems are going to happen. But it's not anything, nothing can conquer or change or alter the plans and the will of our Heavenly Father. We just need to remember that. And these guys understood it. It was our own defeat. But again, uh, the rebuilding is going uh, now that we're getting back and being faithful with the Lord uh, because he's God of heaven and he's controlling it all, not because of some Persian king or anybody else in this world. And so the letter finishes with this in verse 17. Now, therefore, if it seems good to the king, let a search be made in the king's treasure house, which is there in Babylon, whether it is so that a decree was issued by King Cyrus to build this house of God at Jerusalem. And let the king send us his pleasure concerning this matter. And of course, these guys are very courteous and, you know, speaking to him. And they were a lot more honest than the other guys that were deceiving and trying to shut down the temple. Remember earlier in Ezra chapter 4. Um, and so he kind of puts it to Darius. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. This is what they told us. And so a letter was sent to King Darius. And hey, I don't know if Cyrus wrote this decree or not. We don't have a copy of it. Uh, you know, if you might want to check it out and see what you think, King Darius. Now, just remember, a number of kings have come to rule the Persian Empire in this whole area. So think about one scroll with one edict from King Cyrus, and there's been other kings. 
And how many edicts do they make a day? I don't know. I mean, uh, if it's like our president, you know, they pass presidential, uh, they don't pass laws anymore, but now they're called uh, brain fade there. You know, when it does, a uh, president can, they can't pass laws, but they can, uh, oh, I don't know, sorry, I'm getting old, I forget. But they can pass some, you know, uh, influence on the way things are legislated or handled or so forth. And, um, and, you know, can you imagine how many are, were happening back then? And then you got to find that one. But we have a God in heaven, right? <laughs> so verse, uh, chapter 6 says this. So then King Darius issued a decree, and a search was made in the archives where the treasures were stored in Babylon at the Akametha in the palace that was in the province of Media, a scroll was found, and in it a record was written thus. So Darius gets this letter and says, okay, tells one of his boys, one of his scribes, hey, see if you can find what Cyrus wrote, uh, you know, I don't know, 18 years ago or something like that, I'm just rough, rough numbers or something like that. Let's see what he wrote when he was, you know, king after so many years. Can you go find it? And, you know, and the, the scroll was found. Now, um, check out this map. This is, um, uh, you can see the, the, the lines are the route that they took to come back. Uh, the, the, the top one is the one Zerubbabel came, the first one. When Ezra comes and Nehemiah come, and we'll read about them next time, they kind of take a little shorter route. But the city where the scroll was found is way over here. <laughs> Here's another map maybe that gives you some idea of the land. That's where that city was, and, and you can see where Israel is and where the capital is and all that. I mean, this is out in this city here, and, and think of all the scrolls that have been written and all the decrees that have been made, and here it is out in that city, which to me seems to be pretty far out of the beaten path, um, you know, and... And all of a sudden, the scroll was found. It just reminds us who's in charge. Uh, and again, maybe think of it this way. You know, um, you know, people say, well, how do you know the Bible is the Word of God and all this? And, you know, how can you trust it? And how do you know it's, you know, from Him um, and, and not just people's ideas and everything? And, and there's much to to say in the answer of the question of that. But, you know, I always sum it up this way, is that, you know, if He is truly God in heaven and the God that most of us have some sense of who He is, you, you don't think He can control uh, what He wants people to know about Him and make sure it's accurate and it's available? And, and, and again, if he can create the sun, moon, and stars, and the planets, and the trees, and whatever else, I mean, how, how, how difficult is it then to make sure who you are and what you want to say to people is accurate and available, and it's, it, it, you know, it's true? And, and again, when you think of who he is, even people that don't really, you know, maybe have a relationship with the Lord, but they have some sense of God... And he can create, uh, uh, you know, this perfect balance that we have in so many different ways. I mean, the human body, right? Um, you know, how it heals itself. I mean, don't you wish your car was like our body? You know, your engine's not running right or the, something breaks on it and you could just park it in the garage for a day or two and, and then it'll be ready to go. <laughs> you know, what our body is, right? You rest for a little bit, you hurt this, you get a cold. Uh, even get COVID, right? After uh, a week or two, you're, you're feeling better. And a week or two after that, you're kind of back to normal. And, you know, think of those things, uh, you know, or, or, or anything. There's just, and say, you know, if he can create that, how your ear works, how your eye works, how a tree grows, how it takes in chlorophyll, the ec some ecosystem, something in space, whatever it might be, don't you think he can... Make sure his word is accurate and true and what he wants us to know. 
Of course, because he controls it all. Just like he controls to make sure that Darius finds this scroll in what I would think would be somewhat an obscure place. So he gets the scroll and he found what was written, which we read before, and here it is again, verse 3. In the first year of King Cyrus, King Cyrus issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt, the place where they offer sac- offered sacrifices, and let the foundations of it be firmly laid. It's 60 cubits, uh, height 60 cubits, it's width 60 cubits, it's three rows of heavy stones and one row of new timber, and let the expenses be paid from the king's treasury. Also let the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple, which is in Jerusalem, and brought it to Babylon, be restored and taken back to the temple, which is in Jerusalem, each to its place, and deposit them in the house of God. So basically, they find this scroll, they read back what we had read earlier, which was given to uh, Zerubbabel and Joshua before they took off to head back to when they gave the edict for all the Jews to go back. And it it wasn't just these guys. I mean, everybody that was taken from the Assyrian captivity, you know, a, a couple hundred years earlier, uh, all the Jews anywhere in this whole empire, uh, which is greater than even what's on that map, could all go back to the land. Uh, we're just kind of following uh, some of these guys from Judah, like Ezra and Zerubbabel and Joshua and Nehemiah, but there was more people than that. And, and again, um, you know, they were authorized to go back. And so he finds it, he reads it, yep, indeed, that's what happened. Now, Darius is going to add his own two cents to this. Verse 6, Now therefore, Tatanei, the governor beyond uh, the region beyond the river, and uh, Shethar, Bosnia, and your companions, the Persians, who are beyond the river, keep yourself far from there. Let the work of this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God on its site. Moreover, I issue uh, a decree as to what you shall do for the elders of of these Jews for the rebuilding of this house of God. Let the cost be paid at the king's expense from the taxes on the region beyond the river. This is to be given to them immediately to these men so that they are not hindered. And whatever they need, young bulls and rams and lambs for burnt offerings, of the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and oil, according to the requests of the priests who are in Jerusalem, let it be given to them day by day without fail, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet aroma to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also I issue a decree that whoever alters this edict, let a timber be pulled from his house and erected and let him be hanged on it. And let his house be made a refuge heap because of this. And may the God who causes his name to dwell there destroy any king or people who put their hand to alter it or to destroy this house of God, which is in Jerusalem. I, Darius, issue a a decree, let it be done diligently. And all you can say with that is, wow, right? I mean, pretty amazing. I mean, um, not only were they allowed to do what they were originally allowed to do under Cyrus, Darius goes further, right? He says, not only did they say, okay, you can go back and, and yeah, you can you know, get some stones and some of the timber you need, no problem, we'll take care of that, and we'll give you back everything that Nebuchadnezzar took for the temple service. But Darius goes, listen, we, I want the government to fund everything, including all the sacrifices that went on there daily and weekly and monthly and yearly. And, you know, the government's going to fund everything. You know, you get taxes money over there, whatever they want, whatever they need to build, whatever they need for sacrifice, whatever they need for whatever they need, you make sure that you give it to them and you better make sure it happens quickly. Uh, Not only that, 
but you guys keep your nose out of their business. Let them do what they need to do, and if they need something, they're gonna let you know and you take care of it. And if anybody tries to get in the way of the construction and the, or the worship at this temple, let's just say your life is over. <laughs> We'd probably say, I'm gonna have put their head on a pike in front of their house and bulldoze their house <laughs> to uh, so it looks like just a pile of junk you can't even tell what was there and have their head hanging there literally hang their whole body there and the idea was you know imagine that you know uh, you know it, it goes from okay we've been put off and the enemies have been trying to discourage us Haggai says no we need to get going they start getting going then they get the pressure again you know other regional governors come in they write this letter and 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 you know God just works in the heart of Darius now I personally think he would have worked in the heart of any of the kings if they'd just been faithful to continue the work because that was God's will that's why they went back there I mean, uh, uh, th that was very clear. And it, yes, rather than let the discouragement knock them out of the race for years, you know, the temple could have been completed by now. And um, again, it's just important um, to, to understand that. There's going to be opposition, and the question is, are we going to let the opposition and the things that oppose and the discouragement take us out, or are we going to continue to press through? The important thing to see, too, is that, you know, these guys just listened to Haggai. They didn't know Darius was going to write any of this stuff, right? As a matter of fact, let me put up uh, Haggai 13, oh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 15 again. So Haggai's preaching to the people. This is before these guys even showed up, these Persian governors or anything, right? You know, um, uh, you know he, he tells them this. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave a message... Uh, of the Lord to the people, I am with you, declares the Lord. And so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiai, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius." Uh, what I want us to see and just understand is, you know, these guys responded to the encouraging and, and the rebuking words, really, of Haggai before all this letter and this edict was put out. You know, they, they went on faith. And, and, uh, and so, uh, and as they did that, you know, God honored that and changed the heart or worked in the heart of Darius and the others to, to you know, to... I'm with you. I want you to know I'm with you. I mean, that's, again, that's a good homework assignment to read Haggai on your own. But, you know, just notice that in verse 13. I am with you. Just remember, who's with you? Who's going to oppose you? If I'm with you, who can have victory over you? Same with them, same with us. And so these guys acted on faith, and we see how, you know, the Lord told them to trust him. They did that. They started the work and then God was working behind the scenes and they got far more than they ever thought they would, not only just being allowed to do the work, but now it was completely funded in every way. Well, church wouldn't want that, right? Well, I don't know if I want government funding because then they tell you what to do, but you get the idea. Having everything fully funded is a pretty amazing work, you know, in any kind of Christian church or organization. All right, so these two governors receive this letter, verse 13, then Tatanai, a governor beyond the region, and Shethar Bosnia, and their companions diligently did what King Darius had set. You better bet they did, I imagine. So the elders of the Jews built, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Idu, and they built and finished it according to the commandment of God, the, of the God of Israel, and according to the command of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Now the temple was finished in the third day of the month of Adar, in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. 
Then the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the descendants of the captivity celebrated and dedicated this house of God with joy. And man, I bet you they were full of joy. You know, they got it done. They walked in faith. They took seriously the wake-up call. They had got caught up with life and their own houses, their own life, their own jobs, their own things, their own families. God said, no, you got to get back. They listened and, and, and they trusted the Lord and looked where he took them. Now it's finished. And, and there are so many more encouraging words really found in Haggai and, 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 and Zechariah um, uh, to, to read. Haggai is kind of really talks about building the temple and getting that done and having that place to worship me. And Zechariah is kind of more encouraging the people with, with uh, hey, you know, it's not just about the building, it's about your life and your relationship and what I want to do in and through you. So, I mean, you kind of had Haggai talking about, let's get this place going for our spiritual worship and the center of our worship and doing this and doing that. And Zechariah was kind of like, hey, now your life too is important to the Lord and he, wa- he loves you and he knows you and he wants to work in and through your lives. And he gives some examples of Joshua and, and, and um, Zerubbabel and, and, and these others, you know, you know I, I, I'm working in your, in your lives as well as individually as, as well as corporately as a nation. And so the temple is set up, everything is going great, and uh, it, it seems like um, you know the temple is completed, and it seems to be completed right around the time of Passover. And so the rest of chapter 6 says this, And then they offered sacrifices at the dedication of the house of God, 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. I want to stop there real quick because, again, a lot of people, well, there's not a lot of people, but there are some people wanting to know, because we talk about Judah coming back and people from Judah, but just remember there was representation from all 12 tribes. Uh, That's why they offer for each group. So it, it seems pretty clear that there was members from every family group of Jacob, those 12 original boys, um, and uh, they were all represented there, and uh, they're offering those uh, sin offerings as well. And then verse 18 says, they assigned the priests to their divisions and the Levites to their divisions over the service of God in Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. And the descendants of the captivity kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month, for the priests and the Levites had purified themselves, and all were ritually, ritually clean. And they slaughtered the Passover lambs for all the descendants of the captivity, from their brethren, the priests, and for themselves. Verse 21 says, Then the children of Israel who had returned from captivity ate together with all who had separated themselves from the filth of the nations of the land in order to seek the Lord God of Israel." And they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with joy. For the Lord made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria toward them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. And so they finish up this temple and there's great joy and they kind of dedicate it and have this celebration and not too much longer there's the Passover was there and so you know they kept the Passover and again remember those are feasts uh, Passover was one day but there was seven days of a un- feast of unleavened bread and the idea again is feast right because it was just a joyful time and how encouraging how wonderful it must have been for the people to see, you know, God doing all that work and getting it done and the, and the king just supporting it all. And just, the, just you know what it's like. You've, you've witnessed, most of us have witnessed great things God doing through our hands. And I, you know, thinking to yourself, wow, I can't believe the Lord did that. And wow, the Lord did this and the Lord did that. And it's always great to, to look back and reflect and remember the great things that he has done in our lives. And, you know, and as we walk faithfully with Him, you know, and if we get off course, we allow Him to correct us and, and, and do those great things, there's, there's just, the result is just this great, joyful, 
heart and, and celebration, the fact that He loves us and He's working in and through us. And, and though, even though you know, they got sidetracked for a period of time, they, when God you know, sounded the alarm and gave them the wake-up call and they listened and they got back on track and, and man, they saw the great work. Man, I, I forgot how much I love you know, being around God's people and going to church and reading my Bible and spending time in prayer and doing all this and sharing my faith. And, and you know, uh, yeah, there's going to be some discouragements and they're like, well, why are you going back to church? Come on, we have you know, soccer games on Sunday. We, we got a boat. We got to go use it. We got a trailer. We got to go camping or whatever it is, right? And, you know, there's going to be those discouraging things. But as we stay, you know, discouraging words coming in and trying to move us off course, as we stay faithful, we'll see great things happen. We'll experience that joy and that peace that passes understanding like we have told us in the New Covenant and the New Testament as well, Lord, just, just what the Lord has done in our lives. And so, you know, we just see that great picture of it happening here in the life of the nation here uh, and, and uh, the rebuilding of the temple. Well, we'll pick it up next time uh, with actually Ezra, who probably authored this book, and he's going to make his way back, and we'll see what happens from there. So let's, let's go before the Lord. Father, again, we do thank you, Lord. We thank you for your love and for your plan, and, and Lord, even for your correction and your rebuke and your encouragement. And uh, you always want to draw us close to you. And we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, in that. Because, you know, we are tend to wander. And I think that's why you refer to us... Uh, you know, as sheep, um, you know, a sheep can just start eating grass and start walking and wandering off this way. And pretty soon, you know, they're pretty far uh, off the beaten path and the shepherd's pretty far away. And, and, um, and, you know, we need to be brought back. And, and I think that's why you refer to yourself part of the reason as a shepherd, because you go out and you make sure uh, that we come back and that we're in the right place and where we're supposed to be. And so... Father, we do thank you for such love and such grace and for such mercy, Lord. And, and Father, we just reminded that you're overall. Who do we work for? Who, who do we belong to? Who is the authority in our life? And, and Lord, when we realize and know and understand and acknowledge the fact that it's you, what can oppose anything of your will and your plan in our lives? Um, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's, there's great confidence in that. There's great assurity in that. And um, th th that's who we are. Our marching orders come from you. And people may not understand that, but, you know, we're called to be faithful, whether they understand it or not. And we pray and trust and hope they do. But even if they don't, we just remain faithful. And we see the result of that is always great joy. So bless these things to our hearts and our lives. For we ask this in Jesus' name.